Uh, now there's a devoted Captain America fan. Oh, well, this is now finally turned into the weirdest intro ever. Uh, <laughs> welcome, everyone, to the second show that we are putting on at the D23 Expo in Anaheim, California. Uh, we are the Diz Unplugged, and uh, let's roll it. everyone uh well that was a weird start uh one of our weirdest ever i am uh hosting this thing i'm craig williams uh from the orlando team and sitting right next to me is jenny lynn knopp hey everybody also from the orlando team and then on my other right is michael bowling from the disneyland team hey there hi there ho there so wow uh it is now officially uh well, the end of the first day of D23. Uh, we've, it's been a long day. I think we're all tired and exhausted and, uh, well, just in uh, a complete weird state of mind right now. I know I am, but uh, to say that this day wasn't memorable at all would be a complete understatement. There's been a lot of fun. We've met a lot of great people uh, that came through our booth here because we are recording this live from the the Diz, Diz Unplugged, and Dreams Unlimited Travel booth in the exhibit floor. Everyone's been fantastic. Mm-hmm. Everyone that stopped by, y'all have been amazing. They really have. No, I, uh, I've loved everyone that I've met, um, and I mean that. I'm not just saying it because I feel like I'm obligated to say it, <laughs> but I also feel a little bit obligated to say it. Um, but no, wow. Uh, if you watched earlier, you know that we talked about the Legends event. We talked about... Um, the Muppets, and then we talked a little bit with Charles Phoenix, which was uh, awesome to get get an opportunity to really speak with him, and uh, he's so eccentric and funny, and I wish I could have seen more of his panel, uh, but now we are on to actually more pressing matters, and uh, that's that's the big thing that happened today, uh, the, the biggest event, even bigger than Legends, and that was the animation, the Walt Disney Studios animation and Pixar animation panel uh, hosted by no one other than John Lasseter, uh, the god of Disney right now. Uh, and Michael and I were lucky enough to be there for that one. JL wasn't, but, well, we just figured throw her in the mix, and uh, maybe she'll have a question or two. But I'm going to throw it over to you, Michael, and uh, do you want to get us started with a little bit of an overview of everything that happened? Yeah, um, like Craig said, this was the Pixar and Disney Animation Studios presentation. It started out with a sizzle reel of current and upcoming films from Disney, Pixar, Marvel, and Lucasfilm Studios. And then out walked Alan Horn, the chairman of the Walt Disney Studios. And he was, again, talked about how wonderful it is to see all of those studios under the Disney banner, and it's all thanks to Bob Iger. And he said that the D23 Expo audience was going to be the first to see many things in the afternoon, and they definitely delivered on that one. What did they? What did you see? Well, uh, well, what Alan said was the uh, animation is what built the company, and it is stronger than ever. And he 
definitely showed us that that is true. He then um, introduced John Lasseter. He talked about how John Lasseter lives and breathes animation. He wears it on his sleeve, literally, if you know about his Hawaiian shirts. Apparently, John has over 500 Hawaiian shirts in his collection. And John guarantees, always guarantees that the films will have heart because John has a big heart. And so then the cool thing was, you know, there's a D23 John Lasseter shirt that's for sale out here. And John gave a few away. He had from the um, California Angels, he had one of those T-shirt cannons. It was absolutely ridiculous. Like... (laughs) He was just going wild. I mean, it wasn't the angel girls were out there shooting them off. It was actually John Lasseter holding this cannon. Like a bazooka. (laughs) And uh, we had one actually came really close to us, but uh, just I could see Craig was tense and ready to pounce like a cat. Oh, yeah. I'm sure everyone was going crazy when that They absolutely were. And I, of course, was convinced he was going to give one to all 7,600 people (laughs) in the the audience. He's no Oprah, though. So, no. (laughs) So, anyway, so he started out by introducing the Walt Disney Animation Studio projects. And, again, he talked about how that this is built on a legacy started by Walt Disney 92 years ago. And that Pixar was started by pioneers that pushed the boundaries of animation. So, um, John Lasseter says he gets very emotional when he thinks about how he and the other Disney animators are connected to Walt Disney through his legacy of animation. And he said this is a studio that really created animation and made it into an art form. And he said the studio's back because of its people. So he started out with um, Zootopia, oh, yeah. and um, that's on March coming out March fourteenth, twenty sixteen. March fourth. Oh, March fourth. Thank you, and which I have written right down here. <laughs> John, John Lasseter says that he loves talking animal movies, and his favorite is Wind in the Willows, with all the with the animals that walk like humans and dress like humans. So he wanted to make a modern film about talking animals. And so then he brought out the director, Brian Howard, the director, Richard Moore, and producer, Clark Spencer. Yeah. Uh, they went on to start discussing the film. Uh, chiefly, they, they really got into the locations mm-hmm. that actually take place in the film. So uh, from a lot of the concept art and poster works, it all looks very... Uh, very industrial, very city. Like it almost reminds you of that god awful movie, The Wild, that came out. Uh, that Disney uh, they distributed it. They didn't have any hand in making it, uh, but it kind of almost felt like it was New York City. However, we found out that there was uh, four main locations in there: Can, uh, the the Sahara Sands, right? The Sahara Square, Sahara Square, the Tundra Town. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Rainforest D- district. district, and so I'm going all on memory. Michael <laughs> can take notes. I just like stare and drool for the most part. Uh, and then the final one was I will never forget this one. Bunny Burrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just too fun to say. Um, but yeah, the anime, the uh, all the characters are inhabiting these areas. But as Michael said, they're all you know they're standing. But they also took the time and effort to actually. Uh, make sure that the animation of the characters was kind of realistic to how the animals are actually portrayed on screen. So uh, the one example they used was a camel. A camel wouldn't just walk upright and be be straight and 
go the distance. It, it kind of hunch it. Actually, walk like I do most of the time. <laughs> they sort of uh, galumphed along. We're going to yeah. start calling you Camel yeah. Craig because they they looked at how four-legged animals studied their structure and how they moved, and then how imagined how would they walk as two-legged creatures. Well, let's back it up a minute. You guys talked about the locations of the film, but you didn't quite cover what's the, what is the plot? What's um, the storyline? Okay. Oh, that's perfect. Mm-hmm. Well, I will get started on the storyline while Michael gets to there in his notes, but essentially it is about a bunny, one of the bunnies from Bunny Burrow. It is why am I old? Judy Hopps. Judy Hopps, yes. I, I remembered Nick Wilde. I remembered that with uh, think, no problem. But think of Bunny Hop. Yes, Judy Hopps, uh, played by Once Upon a Time's Jennifer Goodwin, oh, wow. Goodwin okay. who was actually on hand to be a part of there. And uh, it was her dream. And she believed in Zootopia. Uh, if you really have the passion and energy, you can do anything. You, if you inspire, aspire to be it, you can do it. And she wanted to be uh, a bunny cop. The best bunny cop there was, um, and but instead she was actually a parking meter uh, lady bunny, I guess you would say. And everybody's then, got to start somewhere. But she was an optimist, so she was determined to be the very best meter maid there was. Yes. And they showed a clip of her hopping all over the place, um, tagging all the cars as the parking meters expired. Yeah, and uh, so. Then eventually along the line, she meets Nick Wilde, who is voiced by Jason Bateman, uh, someone they've been pushing really heavily for the movie, and he is a a Fox character, and although she originally believes that he is a good Fox and not the stereotype Fox of sly, sneaky, well, it turns out he actually is in a really funny clip that they showed. Um, I won't get into it because it's one of the best parts uh, that they showed us, but uh, even that's hard to say because every clip they showed us was actually really hilarious from this movie it should be funny but uh no there's it ends up turning into a a mystery case where they have to team up together to solve it and help uh judy hopps move up in the world so they work on this case and together they learn to trust each other um, despite their differences, and that's pretty much the um, moral of the story. So this is looking like another home run for Pixar. And I think it will be. Yeah. yeah uh, well, for Disney, not Pixar. Disney. Sorry. Yeah, this is Disney Studios. <laughs> yeah, no, but it, it absolutely, I think it will be. Um, it was so hilarious. The the final clip that they showed us, I, I actually started crying from laughing. Um, but... That in a hand shell, hand shell? That's not a word. I am so tired. That, that's essentially uh, Zootopia. And then from there, the presentation got really sad and kind of stayed sad throughout it, in my opinion. Um, they moved on to the, the next movie, of course, which is gigantic. Mm-hmm. Michael? Yeah, um, John Lasseter was talking about how when Disney does a film on a fairy tale, it ends up becoming the definitive story of the fairy tale. And they, he realized they, there was no definitive story of the tale Jack and the Beanstalk. So he decided they were going to do that. Which I disagree. Story. I think Mickey and the Beanstalk is the definitive tale on that. Uh, but that's just me. You should have stood up and I said, I protest. And throw <laughs> my cell phone bag down. Now, when you say it got sad, you mean sad as in bad or sad as in emotionally all the clips they showed after depressing. that were so incredibly moving and touching yeah, so like emotional. very emotional oh yeah okay sad as in emotional yes sorry so then he brought out the director nathan um 
Greno and producer Dorothy McKim, and they showed a video development piece of uh, sort of concept art mixed in with some of the completed animation of Jack and the Beanstalk. And they decided they had to think about where were they going to set this film and they thought about Spain during the age of discovery as all the great explorers were launched from Spain to discover the new worlds they thought how Jack climbed up the beanstalk in order to discover a whole new world so it's set in Spain Jack is is a Spanish young man and he climbs up the beanstalk but instead of finding just one giant he finds a whole world of giants and he first meets an 11-year-old girl who is 60 feet tall. And the 11-year-old girl thinks Jack is a toy. And she's based, actually, on a real person. Yeah. Uh, in the movie, I believe, if, from my memory now, her character name is Emel. Uh, or Ima. Ima. I, uh, Spanish. I'm not Spanish. <laughs> I don't know how to speak it. Uh, but no, they, they based it on an actual girl that, whenever they were in Spain doing the development for it and really studying the culture and all of that there was this one girl who started chasing their car and then was antagonizing them and they got out and they essentially did a, a model shoot not on purpose just they were taking pictures and really getting into it and then after they got back and they were going through all their pictures they realized that they could essentially they had enough that they could start building a character out of all the mannerisms that they saw in those pictures so uh and then it just kept going on from there and then it's getting close to that sad clip yes well they they develop a friendship and the film um really has deep deep emotion and then they they brought out the musical group that's responsible for frozen the couple responsible for frozen they talked about the song and um and then, and then that was it. Looking forward to Jack and Beanstalk. They didn't mention when it was being released. Uh, no, did they, they didn't mention whenever it was being released. I don't think at all. But um, no, yeah, Kristen Anderson Lopez and Bobby Lopez came out and sang one of the songs that's actually going to be from the movie. Um, Do you think we got another "Let It Go" on the? Oh, rise this here? was a this was a very silly, fun song. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it wasn't like that at all. It should be. It should be a really uh, good movie, though. I think they're trying to really get that that new hit like they had before. Um, but yeah, actually, no, there wasn't a side clip no, attached I could, with I it. They sure really they just about. did the song. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm all messed up. The, the Pixar stuff is where it got really heavy for me, mm-hmm. intensely, uh, mostly because of the ending. But and is that your you got to wait to get through. Oh. No, no, because we have one more Disney movie to get through. Uh, the big one that they wanted to tout and uh, yeah. had a very special guest on hand, which the audience basically knew um. who it was going to be. But uh, the movie, of course, was Moana. Okay, mm-hmm. do tell. Well, Moana, they brought out the directors. Uh, the directors themselves are really... Uh, celebrities. It's John Musker and Ron Clemens. We know them as, uh, you know, famous for Beauty and the Beast and Little Mermaid. And and then um, they tried to blend um, modern song with, uh, with Polynesian music. And then they talked about the three musical all the musicians that contributed to the score I cannot pronounce any of their names oh yeah no me neither but I the music will it's beautiful yeah it's beautiful this this movie will be almost more about the music than anything else 
in my opinion. Now, this takes place in the South Pacific several thousand years ago. It's based on an old folk tale um, in the Polynesian area. Uh, Many of the greatest um, voyagers or explorers really were from the South Pacific. Um, And then then about that was true for about 2,000 years, and then everything stopped. There were no more voyages or anything. And then it started up again about 3,000 years later, All the, a lot of exploration from the Polynesian islands. And so they, tried, they started to think about, well, what happened? Why did all the exploration from Polynesia stop? So they, they developed the story of Moana. And she is a princess who works to return the... Um, the sense of voyager, voyaging and discovery to her people. And her grandmother tells her the story of the demigod Maui. And, and they, they showed uh, some drawings of Maui. He has these big and burly and buff, and he has all these tattoos on himself that, are, that a- animate and tell stories. He has this magic, huge fish hook that he uses, and he's also a shapeshifter. And so they talk about how they needed a big, big voice for this person, a big, powerful voice, and it out walks Dwayne Johnson. Oh my god! You know goodness. the Rock. Did everyone go insane? Everybody oh, went yeah. crazy no, for it him. Was, and my god, I mean, of course, he got his start really wrestling, and uh, since then he's developed into such a big icon. Even I mean, beyond the wrestling world, and absolutely, he's a he's my a movie god, personality. What an movie. entertainer! Mm-hmm. He got out there and he took control of that stage. Of course, and he, he did. was having so much fun. Oh yeah, no, and he even <laughs> he has told, incredible mic skills. Well, apparently, whenever he was getting into the whole show business thing, one of the things he even admitted is that he always wanted to be a part of Disney in mm-hmm. some way, shape, or form. Uh, but essentially an animated film. Right. Um, okay. And it makes sense. He grew up in South... Well, yeah, he grew up in South Florida. Mm-hmm. And he definitely played football in South Florida. Yeah. So I'm guessing he had a lot of time around Disney in his youth. Um, and This is now, not his first Disney film. He's been in a number of Disney films. Mm-hmm. But is this his first animated? Yeah, it's yes, his first it is. animated. Was, okay. Well, I know he was in the game plan, but mm-hmm. was that Touchstone? Fairy. Were those Touchstone or were those actually Disney? I, that I'm not sure about. Yeah. But either way, now he's a part of the Walt Disney Animation family, and he could not be happier about it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then, yeah, he went into a little bit more on the character of Maui, and they showed a, a really funny reel of what the character Maui is about. And uh, he's he's definitely going for that comedic performance mm-hmm. here. It's going to be it's gonna be insane. But uh, even beyond him, one of the coolest aspects that they got into was the fact that not just the characters it's not just going to be some of the animals walking around in Moana and Maui but even nature specifically the ocean is also going to be a very integral part of it and of course that would be the Pacific Ocean in that period. Yeah they had a beautiful clip because it's again Moana wants to be a voyager but her father wants everybody to stay safely within the reef of the reef but her, her grandmother's telling her all these stories of voyagers. So her grandmother passes away because it's a Disney film. Somebody has to die. <laughs> and um, so she takes a boat and sails beyond the reef um, to the mythical Ladies island. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, our operating day has ended. Please exit the halls at this time. Thank you. 
but, manager, believe me. Oh, we have our, a new panelist. But our operating day has not ended. We're just continuing here. <laughs> um, anyway, so she sails off to the mythical island of Tofatiti. But they, they talked about how the Pacific Ocean is also a character. And they showed this beautiful clip of when Moana was a little child. And she's playing on the beach. And the, she sees a large conch shell. And as she goes out to try to get it, the ocean interacts with her. Because the ocean is trying to discover and learn about Moana. As she discovers the ocean. It is such a beautiful oh. and touching Scene. I just got chills thinking about it again. And, it's... and then and then it flashes forward to where Moana is standing on the beach now as a young woman holding that conch shell, looking out at the ocean, and you just know it's because she's dreaming about sailing beyond the reef. Yeah. Incredible. And uh, Moana then they after that they did a live performance of one of the songs that will be in the film and that kind of rounded out mm-hmm. the entire Walt yeah. Disney Studios aspect of it and then it got into Pixar as something that's becoming more and more uh, high up on people's list of what to see here and uh, so after another sizzle reel that kind of went over the history of it uh, John Lasseter came out to and started talking about uh, Inside Out which was kind of bizarre considering it's it already came out and you know it's been a big hit this summer uh, but then he brought out Peak Doctor and uh, Jonas... Rivera, oh, um, Jonas Rivera, Jonas Rivera, uh, who then in turn brought out Josh Scully, who was one of the writers on Inside Out, to announce that they are going to have a new short that will be coming out with the uh, the Blu-ray edition of Inside Out this fall, and the short's called Riley's First Date? Question mark. And we won't go into the plot at all about it, but it is so funny. Right. So, so funny. They had the world premiere of it at D23. Yeah, and it's... It, any parent of a young teen or tween, they call them, is just going to find this hilarious. Oh, yeah. Absolutely hilarious. Kids will love it, too. Yeah. It, it was perfect. But uh, let, let's actually get into the real meat and potatoes on what happened at the Pixar panel. They went in uh, progressive order for the most part. Well, yeah, for everything. And uh, the first thing that they jumped into was the good dinosaur. Yeah. The good dinosaur. This is coming out on Thanksgiving Day, November 25th, 2015. Those of you who were here or listened to us two years ago would remember you talked about this film. Okay. How long does it take to make one of these things? Well, this was a troubled production. And so it has gone through with a new director, new story. Um, when they, you know, they, they, they would start talking about um, in all of these, the settings and the scenes and how they went to locations in order to um, study locations for their animation. They then were showing these scenes of these beautiful leaves and forests and the water on the leaves. And I thought this was photography. This is computer animation to a level we have not seen before this looks real and this is something new this is a new level of animation that they have achieved with this film that they are very very proud of oh and And, and they should be it is it is stunning i'm still not entirely a fan of the fact that they place such cartoonish looking characters in such a realistic world Mm -hmm. um but at the same time, it's what we then ended up hearing and seeing uh, kind of turned my head around on it. Uh, 360 uh, mm-hmm. or 180, I guess. 360 would be going right back to what I thought before. 
oh, I shouldn't use expressions when I don't want to know what they mean. But uh, it, the plot line has been kind of out for a while in a sense that we know that uh, there's a young dinosaur, Arlo, and he essentially gets lost uh, one day. We know how and why he ends up happening. Because somebody dies, of course. Yeah, it's some- a Disney film. Yeah, that was also <laughs> another trend during the entire panel is that someone's going to die a lot. And it's always a different family member. It all goes back to Bambi. Exactly. And uh, so Arlo finds himself lost. And then eventually he meets up with Scout, the little human that is essentially the dog character of the film Mm -hmm. because Arlo's like the boy. Mm -hmm. And uh, together they end up, Arlo's trying to get his way home with Scout going right along with him. uh, And, you know, eventually they grow with each other along the way because Arlo's a very shy and timid character and Scout is essentially a dog. I mean, he's literally a dog. All the personalities, they showed us the different screen tests of him doing different type of dog characteristics. It's 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 something. It's something. Yeah, the, and, and now you're wondering, now wait a minute, dinosaurs and mammals were not at the same time. This still uses the same premise, and the film opens with the premise. What would happen if the giant meteor that struck the Earth was deflected and passed by the Earth so that the dinosaurs did not go to extinct, but the mammals still rose alongside the dinosaurs. So there are a number of mammalian characters alongside the dinosaur characters in this film. Um, The director, Peter Son, he really emphasized how he tried to communicate the storytelling through the facial expressions, and he related it back to his family. Um, His parents uh, were from Korea. They had a Korean grocery store, uh, and and it was him and his little brother, and they would go to the movies, and all their play was around movies. But once a week, if there was any money left over after his parents paid the bills, his mother would take him... Peter to uh, a an American film, an English film. The problem is the mother. Peter loved it. Mother did not because the mother didn't speak English. So she would just sort of sit there, and when people would be laughing, she had no idea what it was. And and Peter would try to translate, and she still didn't get the humor. So, but the one film, the films that Peter did not need to translate for her were Disney films like Dumbo when Dumbo's mother's caged and she's caressing little Dumbo as he's outside she said because all the storytelling was in the facial expressions of the characters so that's what he tried to do with The Good Dinosaur was have all the storytelling in the expressions of the character, and he did a magnificent job. Oh yeah, absolutely. Then the one clip they showed where uh, where Arlo and uh, Scout finally connect. It's it's really powerful information. Great side acting um, from Sam Elliott, um, and then. Not Anna, Anna Paquin. Paquin. Anna Paquin, Paquin. yeah. Buckley. Yeah, all of them as uh, <laughs> There's three cowboy Rex. Tyrannosaurus Rex. It, it's, it's perfect. <laughs> I think Good Dinosaur is actually going to be something that everyone should check out whenever it comes yeah. out. Mm-hmm. But what was the next one they talked about right after oh, that? Oh, this was hilarious. Uh, John Lasseter came out and he said, Now at Pixar, the one question we keep getting over and over again is, Will there be a sequel to Finding Nemo? And he says, And we're always getting them from one person. And then they showed a couple dozen clicks, clips from the Ellen show, where she is constantly bringing up, 
why isn't there a sequel to Finding Nemo or saying there are these Twilight movies because they made a whole lot of money they've made three of them Finding Nemo <laughs> that made this <laughs> she would have all the statistics up there how much it made and there's no you know uh, Finding Nemo she said oh I was watching the Super Bowl you know you know that, that football game you only watch once what are they it's what do they call that when you watch Super Bowl oh Finding Nemo oh yeah <laughs> and, oh it was hilarious so then they brought out um, the director, Andrew Stanton, and co-director, Angus McLean. And um, J- John Lasseter and Andrew Stanton had said that they would never, ever do a sequel to Finding Nemo unless they could find a really good story. Because they felt they'd pretty much wrapped it up. So they were in a story meeting one day, and suddenly um, it just sort of clicked. They started to get an idea for a story, and then, Andrew Stanton went to John Lasseter and said, you know, I think this could work. Um, John said, that sounds good. Go ahead and start, um, you know, Flesh write it, it up. A little bit and more. so he wrote up a treatment for it. And, and, he, and he said, John said, great, go with it. And so he, um, and so they, they then ran with it and they're making it. And it takes place six months after the first film. And Dory is now living comfortably on the reef. She goes to school, you know, and, um, you know, with Nemo. And through a series of, of nobody dies, through a, <laughs> through a series of incidents, um, Dory's memory of where she's from is suddenly jogged back into her consciousness. And she suddenly is compelled to get to them. And unfortunately, where she b- remembers where she's from is in Northern California. And they're in, in Australia. Australia. And so there's the whole adventure of Dory. Um, and, well, she, she tells Marlon she has to get there. And, and can you get me there? And Marlon says, no, but I know a guy. And then that sets them off on their great adventure. It does. And uh, then celebrities that took the stage for this one, of course, Ellen was there and she came out and then we found out that Ed O'Neill of Modern Family and uh, even all the way back to Married with Children he's going to be voicing kind of like an angry octopus character Hank the Octopus, Hank the octopus. and uh, also from Modern Family Ty Burrell is also going to be part of the cast as a beluga whale who thinks they have a head injury because of the shape of the <laughs> beluga head and then rounding out the uh the talent that was there was also Caitlin Olson from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and she is playing a tiger shark, or a, whale, sorry, shark. A whale shark that thinks they're a whale and not a shark. And uh, all these animals are at the rehabilitation center, so it's, it's a great new cast of yeah. characters. It's the so. Marine Life Institute, yeah. but those of you who have been to Monterey, it's the Monterey Bay Aquarium. looks exactly like it, inside and out. Yeah, exactly. So... Um, it's going to be great. And that kind of led into a special Toy Story ending where uh, they obviously had to bring up that they're making Toy Story 4, which will be a love story. All the Toy Story movies are completely different, directed by John Lasseter, of course. And uh, the writers is um, Rashida Jones of The Office and Parks and Recreation Fantastic. fame, along with Will McCormick. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a nice little gag about Woody that they did in there that was pretty funny. But, um, yeah, it's a love story about Woody trying to find Woody and the gang trying to find Bo Peep because mm-hmm. she was completely missing in Toy Story 3. And uh, this led to the big musical number of the night. Well, well, and John Lasseter said that it this was a, 
uh, this is a very emotional story from a very personal story because his wife Nancy inspired it. So, <laughs> and there was a film before this too. Was there? Coco. Oh yeah, Coco. The uh, the the Day of the Dead film. Right, Dia yeah. de los Muertos, and I know I'm saying it wrong. It's a three-day celebration in, in Mexico celebrating the the dead, and they went on several trips to Mexico to see how this is celebrated. So the main character is Miguel. He is a 12-year-old boy in a very big family. And as they're getting ready to celebrate the Day of the Dead, he sort of sets off some events that uh, uncover a generations-old family mystery. Exactly. Mm-hmm. No, it, it looked like a beautiful film. I know there was a lot of controversy about Book of the Dead and Day of the Dead, or the the new Coco movie coming out around the same time, but they're going to be completely different. Good. Um, but back to the Toy Story one, yeah. Randy Newman came out and played You've Got a Friend with me on uh, piano to round out oh, wow. the end of the night, and that was the end of the yeah. animation panel. And, and Well, then the Green Army men rappelled in down on the stage from the ceiling, and then they did a big dance number. Yep, and, well... That was the entire animation panel, and I know, JL, you experienced something, Tom experienced something, Rhino did too. Uh, but this but was the main event. This the was evening. the main event, and yeah. we have to wrap it up and uh, get going because we have a lot to do. Um, so we're actually going to talk about some of the more of the highlights tomorrow on the 1 o'clock show. And uh, thank you, everyone, for paying attention to our two feeds that we put out today live. I hope you enjoyed everything that happened, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Keep uh, watching us on Twitter for more updates and as well as uh, wdwinfo.com slash d23 slash that's where all our live updates are going including text pictures videos um, and don't miss the avatar video that we have coming out soon that should be up by the time everyone wakes up on the east coast but again everyone thank you so much and we will see you tomorrow